Hello, and welcome to the Big Leads Press Pass podcast. Today we have a very special guest. It is Stu Holden, Fox Soccer's lead game analyst. We are here to talk a little bit about Copa America. The final is on Saturday. We have Messi, we have Neymar. It's going to be an absolute barn burner. There will be scenes, as they've been saying, over in the Euro Cup the past couple of weeks. Stu, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's been a heck of a month for soccer in general. And, uh, you know, both finals, in fact, are going to be fantastic. So I can't wait. Yes, it is. It's going to be a great weekend of soccer. Now to just get their football, whatever. I don't know who's listening, but uh, football, I'll cover both bases <laughs> just in case. I don't want anybody to get mad at me. So, Stu, let's just get started. I mean, it's messy. It's Neymar. The excitement is obvious. But what are you in particular looking forward to here before you call this Saturday match? Look, Messi and Neymar are two of the biggest stars in the world. Neymar is a a wonderful story. They were teammates at Barcelona. He's now at PSG trying to, you know, forge his own path uh, and and step out of the shadow of being Messi's sidekick. And now he comes up against Messi. And look, I I think Messi is the bigger story here because this is a guy that will be in the conversation and uh, as far as the best player to have ever played the game. Neymar is not in that conversation. It's Pelé, it's Maradona, it's old school Ronaldo, mm-hmm. it's Messi, and it's and it's uh, the new Ronaldo. Um, and, you know, Messi, the, the, the Messi argument against him is always that he has never won an international tournament. He has that opportunity again. This is a guy that's been in many finals with Argentina. They can just never seem to find a way to win. They lost in penalties uh, to Chile back in 2016. Um, uh, and and it just, you know, they lost in the World Cup final as well. So for, for Messi, and boy, does he just look motivated and uh, happy and, uh, you know, taking the responsibility and he's performing at an incredibly high level, even for Messi's standards where, you know, four goals, five assists in a tournament. And um, I think this Argentina team is is capable of, of beating Brazil in this final. And for him to finally have that moment and, you know, to look at all the haters and say, what now? <laughs> yeah, that uh, the legacy talk pervades uh, all aspects of sports. And I think with Messi in particular, this one is big in that regard. Uh, but you are obviously Fox Sports' uh, lead soccer analyst. So strategically speaking, what are you looking forward to in terms of just seeing how these teams play each other's stars and how they might adjust for the final? Yeah, I, this is not going to be a 3-3, 4-3 type game. This, this, these are two teams that, in fact, have been, have been really good defensively, and both teams have only conceded three goals each throughout the entire tournament. So um, we, we think of South American teams historically as – you know, very high skilled and uh, little tiki taka passing and the Joba Benito way for Brazil. But what you found in this tournament is a real blend of both, where uh, both teams are very solid structurally, defensively, and then still have the flair players that will win you the game. And I, I think really for this game, it comes down to the midfield. And um, I, I think Brazil have a much stronger midfield than Argentina. And if they can dominate in that part of the field with a guy like Casemiro, who, by the way, has never lost a competitive match while playing for Brazil, which is crazy to think about. That's that the, the game he missed in the World Cup was the one that they lost against Belgium in the quarterfinals. And so he's just so important. He's just kind of the heartbeat to that team. And I don't think Argentina have the similar type of player. They've been rotating between two guys, uh, Paredes and Rodriguez in midfield. So that, that's a part of the game, I think, if Argentina... Uh, get the right balance that they have a chance. And it, it's one that they have to win to then allow Messi 
uh, time and space on the ball to win the game. So if, if you're looking for one thing, and both these teams are stacked with talent, I could talk forever about the forward part of the field and really for Argentina to win. They do need the supporting cast to win. We've talked so much about it. And, you know, Iguains and Agueros and the misses, the, the haunting misses in the past where Messi set them up. Martinez has scored in two straight games now for, for Argentina. And if you can do that again in a final, I, I think Argentina win this. Certainly. And Stu, we've talked a lot about what this means for Messi, what uh, what a win here would do for him in the international scale and it's as far as how we look at his career. But what does it do for Neymar if he gets one of these? It's a, it's a huge moment for Neymar. And, and in fact, I think Neymar knows that a lot of the discussion coming in is going to be about Messi winning a tournament, right? Um, but but Neymar, he won the Olympics with Brazil. Messi won the Olympics with uh, with Argentina. But uh, Neymar has got to win an international tournament with uh, Brazil as well. He wasn't part of the 2019 team. Um, he was injured in, in that one. He was injured in the World Cup when they went out. They had that loss to Germany. Mm-hmm. They got knocked out in Russia. So I think he as well. Um, and 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 he's a he's an interesting character. He 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 seems to always have a smile on his face. He's he seems to really being enjoying. His soccer, um, he, he likes to wind the opponent up. I think he takes a lot of kicks um, and a lot of, um, you know, contact off the ball. But I think he, he almost wants that in a way because I think he knows that he's baiting his opponents and getting the better of you mentally. So for, for Neymar, I think Neymar has the better supporting cast of the two teams. But I think once again, if you took both of those players out of their teams, they would suffer immensely in, in the attacking part of the field. And He's really the guy that they just look to to create something, to take a guy off the dribble, to open a game up. And he's that difference maker. He's been in great form, too. And I think Neymar would love nothing more than to silence his critics as well by lifting uh, the Copa America trophy in Brazil and defending their title. And look, Brazil, it's their game to lose. They're playing the Maracanã. They're playing in Rio. They're playing at home. Uh, I think in many ways that, that it works well for both teams from a mentality standpoint because Argentina could say, what an opportunity to win the Copa America against our biggest rival in their home stadium. And that, folks, is why you tune in to listen to Stu Holden on Fox Sports right there. That's <laughs> the kind of analysis that made him the Fox lead man. Now, as many of you listeners likely know, Stu had a very successful soccer career in himself, both in America and internationally. And so, Stu, you followed the path of what many are now doing. It's becoming more popular as the years go on, of going straight from the playing field, whichever playing field it might be, to the broadcast booth. Now, speaking as, you know, as Stu Holden, the former soccer player turned broadcaster, how do you blend your playing experience with calling a game to ensure it's the best possible viewership experience for the people watching the game? Yeah, my friends give me a hard time because I'm the stereotypical athlete that retired early, went into broadcasting and plays golf and tennis (laughs) and, you know, uh, lives in Los Angeles in 75 degrees and sunny. So, and they make fun of you for that. But you you know, this (laughs) this is a career. I I say that, um, my teammates used to say when I was a player that, uh, I would go into media that that they would have been one that I would have picked. They would have picked me to go into sports broadcasting because whenever there was a camera in the locker room, I came alive. Whenever there was an interview, I never said no. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it was just my personality. I liked being front and center. I, uh, I think I'm, I'm self-aware enough to say that, that um, part of my ego, I think uh, it, it satisfied that part to where, you know, the, the performance aspect of, of sports broadcasting is very different to playing, but I would say it's the closest thing I have found. And I love what I do. 
um, but to, to being that, that professional athlete and having those moments, because nothing will ever create that, that feeling of stepping out on a field in front of a hundred thousand people and playing a game of soccer that you played your entire life and you get that opportunity to do it as a, as a pro athlete. But then, uh, to call the world cup final in Russia and stand there with a microphone, knowing that my voice was going to 20 million people and that um, I would be able to tell a story about the sport that I feel I know well mm-hmm. and have studied my whole life and to be able in some way to give an insight and a peek behind the curtain to that, um, that, that gives me a, 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 a type of joy that is very close to, to playing and one that I take immense pride in. And I treat it as a job and I, I, I work the same way that I did as an athlete in mm-hmm. terms of my preparation and preparing for broadcast. So it's a, it's, it's a very it's a very different business. It's, it's a challenging one at the beginning. And I think one that I underestimated when I first got in and said, Hey, sure. Yeah. I'll call a game. Um, when, uh, you know, uh, Shaw Brown is a good friend of mine, an old producer. He, he was, he was the first one to call me and say, Hey, do you think you want to try TV? And I said, sure. Like I'll call a game. And I remember being incredibly overwhelmed at the, the fast pace and the pressure and live TV and every word counts. And if you slip up, you know, you're, it's, it's going out live. You can't change that. And I think I love that type of pressure because it created a, a pressure environment that I hadn't had since playing uh, a professional sport. And I, I think I try to draw on those experiences throughout the game and little moments that I've had as a player, but there are also things that I see in the game um, and how the game unfolds to, to be able to communicate that to a viewer and hopefully give them an experience where they feel they understand why something has happened at the end of the day. Be right back with more gold after a word from our sponsors. Absolutely. And you spoke a little bit about your preparation for broadcast. And what's unique about soccer broadcasts is that obviously there are no commercial breaks. So you, if you're calling a game, you are on air from zero, from quadruple zeros all the way to the 45 minute mark. And then you get a break and then it's another 45 minutes or so. And then you're done. So as far as your preparation goes, how do you sort of, it's a pretty long haul. I think the only person who can prepare is Scott Hansen, who's on TV for seven hours a day doing red zone on NFL Sundays. So insofar as how you prepare for sort of being on air for that long, not really having any time to regroup, not having a breath, how do you mentally prepare yourself for that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And, and I think the, the easiest way to answer it is that you do way more prep than you need to. And you probably use five to 10% of that throughout the game, because at the end of the day, what matters most is the game. Um, and it's not about uh, trying to show how much, you know, and mm-hmm. trying to show how smart you are or how much research you've done. Um, it, it's trying to add color to the pictures and to tell the best type of story. And I, I think, and I, I listen to other games. I listen to other sports. I, I listen to every sport now in a different way because I'm mm. listening to how they talk. And Scott Hansen at uh, NFL Red Zone, I, I think he does an incredible job of, um, you know, getting you in and out and giving you the stats that you need, but not giving you too much. Um, but then getting you as quickly to the pictures that are happening and the, the instant action. And I think it's something John and I have worked, uh, John Strong and I have worked a lot on and We've been doing so many games now together for the last six years and we've become really good friends off the fields or, or the, the microphone, I guess you could say. And uh, we we've formed a friendship and a partnership and you realize that the partnership is more important than the individual. And mm-hmm. we talk a lot about this with, with big moments and big calls. And ultimately that's where I think you're judged as a broadcaster is can you deliver in the big moments and can you 
can you give the words that match the match the moment and the pictures that are there and it's never about you it's about trying to uh be, be a good teammate in that moment and create the best broadcast and in doing that you you are a team you're working together you're, you're finding your pockets you're uh you're laying out when it needs to and letting the crowd come through and all of that is part of um somebody put it really well to me early on is that you do your preparation which for me is watching a lot of game tape watching the last three or four matches the teams yeah. have played studying individuals that i think could be important having the, the stats that support that as well but then within a game it's setting up a story so it's like reading a book where mm. you tell them what you know you kind of set it up and give a preview of what the game's going to look like as the game is going on, you're saying why different things are changing and the narrative's going. And then ultimately you can tell the conclusion at the end, which is why something happened and why the game ended the way it did and why it may or may not be different to why you thought. And that all comes down to all these little nuances of the game. So I, I take I take a ton of pride in that. It's it's something I work at. I listen back to my games, I watch the studio shows. Um and <laughs> excuse me. Um, even when you cough on air, you at least have a cough button, not here on the, on the, on the interview, but, um, yeah, it's, a it's a job that I think, um, I didn't think I would love as much as I do, but, uh, I can't get enough of. Absolutely. And you mentioned the, the big moments. I mean, what's the biggest moment you feel that you've called your career thus far and what would be your, uh, your grade of your calling of that moment? Oh man, that's a, that's a good question. Um, because it, it, there's two different categories for me. There's the ones that I've enjoyed the most and, uh, you know, ones that make you celebrate like a, a fan, you know, for example, doing Zlatan Ibrahimovic's first game in Major League Soccer and he comes on as a sub in the second half and you're building this all of this drama throughout the game and they're down against their biggest rival and what does he do? He comes on and, you know, he scores this insane goal from half field. And then he scores the winning goal in the last minute of the game. But I remember throwing my pen and just like jumping up and down and just being like, Oh my gosh, you know, but then uh, I, I think uh, it, it was welcome to Zlatan major league soccer was one of my calls on that. And, and, and like, because that, that was him, it was Zlatan. Um, it, but, you know, I, I think, I think back to two moments that, and it's always nice as a broadcaster when you set something up or when you can be, you can foreshadow what's going to happen and it actually happens. That's a great feeling too. Mm -hmm. um, but, but nothing will, will top. And I love us men's national team games. I do because, and I was so bummed that they didn't make the 2018 world cup because to be the lead analyst for the us men at a world cup would have been uh, something I would, uh, I would take huge uh pride and i feel that that would be a big responsibility and i hope mm -hmm. that we get that chance in qatar but uh, nothing will top the world cup final for me doing a world cup final in moscow uh with france against croatia and a 4-2 game and mbappe scoring uh this this amazing goal and i remember in that moment i think he's 19 years old saying that you know re remember the name remember the face this guy's going to be a you know, a superstar. Mm. And uh, th th those are like little things that you listen back and I hear random clips and I'm like, oh, that's my voice. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned uh, the the feeling that broadcasters get where you kind of foreshadow something and then it happens. That must mean that you uh, are pretty envious of Tony Romo, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a very interesting thing because Romo in many ways has changed, I think, the way that um, the... the the natural cadence and the way it has been for a long time where the play-by-play -play sets the play up and then the analyst does the replays 
Um, and, and in NFL, it's a very set format. I think mm. it's very formulaic in the way that it's been done for so long. But now you get Romo jumping in pre-snap and, um, you know, being able to read defenses. Uh, I think I envy him in the respect that uh, football is very play-based and you can analyze defenses in that type of way. Soccer, as you mentioned, is 45 minutes of nonstop action. And it's, it's less of set play type opportunities where you have a chance to say, this will, this is what's going to happen. So you're essentially setting up the action and foreshadowing in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, you still can create those moments. And I think it's always good to try to look ahead about coaches tactics or parts of the field where there's weaknesses and saying, if that continues and they don't change it, then there's going to be a goal. So it might not have the immediate payoff like Romo does, but there's certainly a, a part to that of, um, of, of broadcasting and being clairvoyant um, that, that seems to resonate well with with uh, viewers. But I will say my favorite thing about Roma is he just sounds like he's having fun. And, and I think it's always a great reminder, too, that, you know, when John and I talk about showing our friendship on air and hoping that that comes across and that really the people at home, I think, just want to feel like they're sitting, as, as, as I'm sure you've heard many times on doing this broadcast, uh, on press passes, like, you know, it's sitting in a bar, right? Just mm-hmm. talking about the game and chatting it up and feel like you're learning at the same time. That's that's like the perfect recipe for what I think uh, would go out on air. Absolutely. And the thing about Romo is that he is a just insane, unnatural success when it comes to jumping right from the playing field to the broadcasting booth. And it almost creates these unrealistic expectations for guys like Drew Brees who are going to come in this year and broadcast the expectation to be immediately great and as somebody who has gone through that transition what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give to a former player making that move to the broadcasting booth as far as getting adjusted yeah it's a, it's a great question i i think ultimately you have to treat it as a job and it and it is a job and and by by that i mean i, I see a lot of former athletes that that what they say they want to do broadcasting but do they really want to do broadcasting and do you want to make this your career because that means working, that means uh, watching games, that means doing research, that means, uh, you know, self-review and talking to bosses and getting mm-hmm. feedback. And it really is, you find out pretty quickly the people that want to do this and the people that are just quite happy to come and do the odd show here and there and fly in for, for big tournaments. And um, I think I realized pretty quickly this is something I love doing and this is something I want to do for a long time. So. I was working at how can I get better at this and how can I, um, you know, work my way up and basically just say, yes, I, it's, mm-hmm. it's all about reps at the end of the day. And, and you're right. I mean, Romo to go to the place that he did so quickly. Um, I, I had heard that CBS had done a lot of kind of work behind the scenes with him and Vance and um, getting, you know, getting him to that point where then he debuted and everybody was like, wow, this guy is good. And of mm-hmm. course there's a natural element to that, right? Like he's very, smiley fun charismatic and 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 has done some things in a different way which is also good because i I think i have a lot of people that i like and i think that are really good broadcasters but i want to be my own version of that and and unique while still having the good fundamentals because i think that the thing that people are drawn to most is you the feeling that they they know you as you and that it's authentic to your personality as opposed to you trying to be somebody you're not Absolutely. I think that is definitely crucial, especially if you are not Tony Romo, which many people are not. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, now, Stu, I have one final question for you. It's the biggest one yet. I hope you're ready. What is your final prediction for Saturday's Copa final? So I think I was the only one on the set on uh, after the semifinal to say that I think Argentina is going to win. Uh, I think this is going to be a very close game. I, I just I think Brazil have a better overall team, but I also worry about Brazil's uh, strikers. Richarlison's missing a ton of chances. Uh, Gabriel Jesus is suspended. Um, you know, the, the other guys, I haven't seen somebody that's like, oh, that guy's going to win me the game. And I, I think that Argentina have an opportunity. I think that Messi is playing the type of soccer, and I think he feels he's got a, he, he's got a date with destiny here uh, to win this tournament. And uh, I think I'm going to go with an Argentina 2-1 victory, and that's me as the broadcaster hoping that we get three goals. But I, I think it's more like a 1-0 Argentina win. <laughs> all right well my fingers are also crossed as a casual viewer for more goals more goals is more fun but i think it's going to be a great match and Stu will be on the call so you know it's going to be a great one to view thank you again Stu, That's for right. coming on the press pass podcast liam. i really appreciate it man yeah liam thank you man i appreciate it nice absolutely to talk to you. and thank you listeners for tuning in as always i'm your host liam McEwen signing off